0: I want to give you my heart this morning i uh I sat where you sit uh and I'll never forget it for the rest of my life it was uh seventeen and a half years ago It'll be eighteen years in uh, august and um, I was a backslidden teenager who uh i would i went to public school and i would uh i lived one way at school and then I would go to the church and I would act like i you know, I went to church just to hang out with my friends and, to, um, you know, to be cool because I was the cool kid at church. Because um, I was the carnal one, I suppose. And um, I went to the youth conference that I went to mainly because there was a um, there was a girl that was going, and she had went the year before, and she came back and she was talking about uh, preacher boys, and. um And I was interested in her, uh, and I didn't want her to go to this conference again and come back and talk about preacher boys anymore. So I went basically just to make sure she didn't meet any preacher boys. Um, I had to get a haircut. I don't know if you're here and maybe you had to get a haircut. I had to buy new clothes. I mean like a whole new wardrobe. Um... I didn't have very many collared shirts. Um, and so I, I had to go buy collared shirts. Um, and I went to that conference, and uh, really I was just there to to be there to make sure she didn't meet anybody. I sat through the first night, and I sat through the second night, and the preachers preached. And they preached on a lot of the things that I was involved in. They also challenged me to do to give my life to God. A lot of the same sermons you've heard here. But um, but I, I I left Monday night. I left Tuesday night. Wednesday night they were finishing up. And, um, and the preacher preached. And he preached on the price of surrender. A little bit like what preacher talked about. Only he told all these stories about all these people that got killed on the mission field. I preached a sermon like that a few years ago, and he talked about this one guy who got the the chief in the tribe cut up his son and put his body parts in a bag, and you know, and the preacher re- the missionary reached in and all he pulled out was his hands, and I mean he told stories like that, and then at the end of his sermon he said, "All right, now who wants to surrender?" And I looked at him and everybody else looked at him like you're looking at me. Almost like how y'all looked at me last year when I burnt that boat up here. And then I said, all right, y'all come up. All right, now come to the altar. <laughs> and you guys looked at me like, uh, won't you put out that fire first? But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, uh, I-, I want you to go up there. I'll never forget it. I got the video. Now, not the DVD, but there used to be these square things. They're black, and they got some tape in them. And, and um, you just have to trust me. Video quality's not that great, but um, I got the video. I watch it every August. And uh, <clears throat> I look at the platform, and, and I don't know if, 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 if this will happen this year. It happens some years, some years it don't. It's up to the Holy Spirit probably. But I stood on that platform, and I stood on that platform with a lot of young people that look like you guys. I'm not against that. I'm for that. I, I try it. I, I got a group over here that we we teach and preach and try to get them to to look nice and dress nice, give God your best. That that's a good truth. That's a good principle in the Bible. I, uh, I it's not that I didn't hear that some preached. Uh, it's just that I didn't want to do it and um, I stood up there though that night and surrendered my life and I look at the video there's all these guys in white shirts there's all these guys in suit coats and then there's this one weird looking kid with a He's got a goatee, but it's one of those teenage goatees, so it looks like he's got an armpit on his face. (laughs) Some of y'all are laughing, but you got the same one. (laughs) And I stood up there, and I was chewing gum, and I was wearing a chain... Mail polo, my shirt was made like the chain mail that a knight wears. Listen, they said a collared shirt. they didn't say it had to be a ugly collared shirt. I look good. <laughs> I was up there, I looked like uh Sir Lancelot, you know up there well. But I looked around, and I never forget the feeling. I looked around, and I didn't feel like I belonged. There may be somebody in here today, and and I'm almost sure that I'm going to preach to the minority. I'll apply the sermon to the majority. But there's some of you in here, you haven't moved all week. Like, the sermons we've heard have been so challenging of a sermon from the truth of the Word of God. And yet, you haven't made a decision. Now, maybe you say, well, I made a decision at my seat. I understand. Uh, But you haven't come to the altar, you haven't moved, and maybe you went to your youth pastor I don't know, but I'm just saying I mean there ought to be that moving or you expect that moving if you haven't moved or God hasn't spoken to your heart that I'm preaching to you. If you feel like you, you get here and you look around and, and you see everybody and, and sometimes you know we preach you know judge not, don't judge on appearance and all that, but we do it. Like, you know, the backslidden people say not to do it, but then the backslidden people do it. You know, all those people with ties and all those girls with their skirts, and I just didn't feel welcome. Anybody say anything to you? No. that They didn't say anything mean. I just, I just knew that they was Pharisees. Because they look nice. But I felt that feeling of, I don't know if I belong here. I felt the feeling when the preacher preached and he said, told those stories about the missionary and told those stories about being a pastor, told those stories and challenged everybody to serve, challenged everybody to give their life to God, to surrender, no matter what it may be to. Now He gave some specifics and he talked about missionary and being a preacher, but, but just to surrender. And I know the feeling of sitting in that seat and saying, God, I, I know you may be talking to the preacher's kid. I, 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 don't, I don't think you're talking to me. He's preaching on the will of God, and he's preaching on serving, he's preaching on surrender, but I, I really don't think he's talking about me. Because, I mean, God, my my mom and dad divorced before I was born. I I, I grew up in a home with a single mom, and 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 I, I rarely saw my dad and and when I did it wasn't good, and, and he didn't get saved till late in life and and and, and lord are you, are you sure, Lord, I've done some really bad things and and and, and I, I was I was a rough teenager i I, I did some stuff I shouldn't do and, and and Lord, my home life just just isn't what this other person's home life is, and Lord, it'd be a lot better if you just if you called brother brother so-and so's son. Are you sure? I, 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 I don't know if he's talking to me. I've been there. In 2 Peter chapter 3, I want to read one verse. I'll, exp- I'll, I'll go over the, f- the first eight verses, but we're going to read one verse. The Bible says in verse number 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I want to preach just for a few minutes on that statement in the middle of the verse, not willing that any should perish. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray you'd help me Lord I want to preach them my heart but I want to give them truth Lord I pray for the young man that sits here today and his mom and dad are divorced and he hears a sermon and he hears that preaching and he hears he's heard what he's heard this week and maybe he thinks "Uh, yeah he's talking to this other kid he's talking to the kid behind me that's got his Bible and he's been taking notes and he's been listening I don't know if he's talking to me I pray for that girl who, maybe, Lord, has a little bit of bitterness in her heart. Maybe she's had some things happen in her life, and and maybe she harbors that bitterness or that resentment in her heart, and it's made it difficult for the seed of the Word of God this week to to penetrate. And Lord, maybe she thinks, yeah, He's talking to Brother So and So's daughter. Or he's talking to that girl in the youth group that always wins people to Christ. But but I don't know if He's talking to me. I mean I mean I, I barely read my Bible. I I don't know if He's talking to me. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, I pray you would speak to every believer in this room. And you would burn this truth into their hearts. That God, you have a will for their life. If it is only that they not perish. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Peter writes this second epistle... In, an, in, in, the, in the midst of a day of scoffing and spiritual decline. They begin to question the Word of God and confuse mercy for weakness, grace for a license. Sound familiar? Verse number 8 reminds us of the timing of the Lord is not as man's timing. He says a day is as a thousand and a thousand as a day. God is not behind on His Word. God, God pays on time. God is never behind on His bills. He's never behind on His promises. He's always on time. He hasn't spoken anything that he cannot do. He is able. He's, he is just very long suffering. He doesn't want anyone to perish. What does that word perish mean? Well, many times we use this passage to talk about someone perishing as in dying and going to hell, and that is an application, it is applicable in that fashion. God is not willing that any should perish and go to hell. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. If you're here and you're not saved, if you don't know for sure that that if you were to die that you would go to heaven, let me just tell you this. God doesn't want you to go to hell. In fact, He doesn't want you to go to hell so much. He doesn't want you to die in your sins and pay for your sin debt. He doesn't want you to do that so much that Jesus died for you. Just for you. You. Just you. He's not willing that any... That means you should perish. But uh, that word perish also means to go away from, to move away from, to be exiled, to leave fellowship. He's not willing that any should perish. It's not God's will for anybody to perish. Now, we've heard a lot about God's will this week. You hear a lot about God's will as a teenager uh, in in your church and at other youth meetings you go to. It's a very popular topic to preach on to teenagers. We often think, in our minds, uh, I don't think we hear it preached this way, but we begin to think like it's a mystical unknown, like the Holy Grail of independent Baptist teenagers. You know, like if you can find God's will, you know, then it's like the pot of gold at the end of a, a rainbow, you know. I really, I really don't know if God has it hidden, and and we live life in search mode, you know, trying to trying to find something that's impossible, walking around wondering and and uh, and questioning ourselves all the time. I just can't bring myself to think that God, who is a sure truth, keep His word, uh, not slack on His promises, kind of God uh, operates His will that way. I don't understand everything about God's will, but a lot of God's will is in God's Word. It's when I don't like it that I begin to mystify it and quantify it into something that's super spiritual and I have to make up that that, this is God's will because I feel like that's what I want to do. Now, who we marry, where we go to school, what we do for work, You know, where we live. A lot of those decisions, we have to pray about those. And we do want God's leading. And those, I can't answer for you right now. I don't know God's will in those areas for your life. But I do know this. God is not willing that any should perish. That tells me that God's will for sure is that no one in this room, if you're a believer, leave fellowship with the Father say what's God's will for my life to be close to him we've heard it preached all week and we think well i'm not uh, you know i don't know if i uh, if if i'm going to be a preacher or i don't know if this or i don't know if that and that we we lump those things in with god's will and when somebody preaches on god's will in fact when i first said the words some of you turned your ears off to me because you're not interested in god's will you're interested in your will but I want you to know something this morning. God's will for your life it begins with this truth. He doesn't want you to perish. He never wants you to leave fellowship with him. That's God's will. Those of you who maybe could care less right now what I'm saying, you're on your phone right now or you're talking or writing notes or you're just hanging out waiting that this is over so you can get home to the TV and you could care less about God's will for life. Listen, you're the one I'm preaching this sermon to. I'm taking my time this morning that I could preach any sermon and I'm reaching to you because I want to see you. I see you as a 17-year-old William Davis sitting out there in that crowd saying, I don't know if God really has a will for my life. And I'm telling you this morning, His will for your life is that you never perish. You never leave the fellowship of the Father. I'm talking to those of you that have been hurt by someone, maybe even this week, and you're bitter, you're angry, you're upset about it. Maybe God's not been fair with you. Maybe you've lost a parent, either through divorce or through death. And you harbor that bitterness in your heart. And because of that, you say, I don't even know if I want God's will, and if I do, does God really have a will for me? and you question or you, or you doubt or you, or you attack God's will because of that bitterness and that anger and, 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 and that pain in your life. Those of you who maybe don't understand a, a, a circumstance that's going on in your life and you're upset at God or you're upset at people. Those of you who may have siblings who are really good at something, and you're not. Maybe they were the spiritual example and you're just not there. And maybe you feel like sometimes mom and dad want you to read seven chapters like they read seven chapters, but you only read three chapters, and so maybe you just don't make the cut. And you feel inadequate. And every time you hear somebody preach on God's will, you think, well, that would help my brother, because he's better than me, but I really don't know if I could do that. Because we put them or we think that they could do more than us. Maybe you have parents who fight or who are divorced or or who don't understand that you come to church even. A lot of you came here and and you you ride a bus to church and your family don't come with you. You come by yourself. So did I. My mom didn't care whether I went or not. My dad until he got saved didn't care if I went or not. And when I was 17 years old, my mom still lost. My dad saved, and, and he p- pressured me. But my mom still, I lived with my mom, and my mom didn't care whether I went to church or not. And so I went by myself. They had to pick me up. Boy, it's humbling when you got a driver's license and you ride a bus to church or a van to church. And you may say, and you hear that preaching, you come to the conference and the preacher says, Hey, let's talk about God's will. Let's talk about surrender. Let's talk about giving your all to God. And you think, wait, my all? I don't have anything. Why don't we talk about God giving me something and then I'll talk about giving something to God. Now, that's the wrong way to think, but that's the way we think. maybe thinking does God even have a will for me maybe you have a a uh a, the the preacher's son or the preacher's daughter in your youth group and you think oh yeah they're, they're going to do God's will God has a will for their life they're they're they're, they're, they're probably going to serve God uh, with their life but you know me I, I, I just I don't know if I can and we compare ourselves among ourselves which isn't wise but we do it anyway you may look and say, "Brother Davis, I don't even read my Bible." Maybe sitting here in, in this crowd, you may say, "Brother Davis, I don't even read my Bible." I, listen, it's not—I don't know that it's—it's it's right to say this. Neither did I. I sat out there in that youth conference and I'd never other than casual reading and church reading I'd never read the Bible. Never. And so when the preacher preached and he said hey God wants to use you I thought how can God use me I don't even know his book. I don't even read the book. But still God said got a will for your life. And I want you to know this morning, hey listen, you may struggle with your Bible reading. You may struggle with your prayer life. You may struggle being a witness. But let me tell you something. God still has a will for your life. And here's what it is. He doesn't want you to perish. You say, does He have more? Maybe. But I'll tell you the beginning. He never wants you to leave fellowship with Him. Ever. Ever. He wants you to stay close to him. He don't want you to be exiled. He don't want you to be cast away. He don't want you to to to, to take your things and leave and and to to leave church or to leave fellowship with him or to leave walking with him. You may say, I don't pray every day. I'm not even faithful to church all the time. Hey, they asked me to come, and the only reason I came is so that I could play ball, or the only reason I came is so that I could do this, or the only reason I came is because uh, uh, b- uh, because of this, or the only reason I could was give away from my parents, or the only reason I came is this. Listen, I don't care why you're here. Let me just tell you this. God has a will for your life, and here's what it is, that you not perish. I went for a girl. And when I heard that God had a will for my life, I, I was like... I, I don't think he's talking to me. I mean, he's probably talking to the preacher's kid or he's probably talking to this other guy that, that looks like he's a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. But he was talking to me. Because he's long-suffering to us Saved me when I was 14. I was backslidden for those three years. Listen, he could have killed me and been justified in doing so. If he would have killed me, he would have been justified in doing so. But he kept speaking to my heart. And he spoke to the heart of a backslidden teenager who could care less at that conference and said I got a will for your life and it starts with I never want you to leave me. You may say I couldn't even find the book of Daniel when preacher preached out of that. How can I apply that sermon? God has a will for your life. You may say God probably wants to use the guy that wins souls all the time. He don't want to use me. You say, he probably wants to use the girl that sings good. I listened to the wrong kind of music. So did I. The week after that youth conference, I had an appointment with a record company to promote my music. The wrong kind of music. The whole week before, I'd listened to the wrong kind of music. Now, thank God I didn't take any with me. Because I didn't want it confiscated. Those mean youth pastors. I didn't take any with me. But that week before, I'd listened to rap music. Pumped it into my brain. And I came and sat in the conference. So when the preacher said, Hey, God wants to use you. God has, God has something for your life. I said, no, He's not talking to me. I know what I listened to before I came here. But he was talking to me. God has a will for your life. Now, here's the thing. God's will is that you not go away, that you not lose fellowship with him, that you not live in exile. And I think everybody in this room could attest, I've watched a lot of them walk away. When they graduate, they leave. I don't mean they leave the youth department. Stay with me. I don't mean they didn't go to Bible college. It's amazing, you know, well, not everybody should go to Bible college. I agree. You know, it, it, it may not be for everybody. Everybody should try it, though. Ice cream is not for everybody either. Anyway, that's not the sermon. Bob, Bible college, uh, you, you know, you uh, uh, they, they 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 graduate and uh, and they they leave or or notice now they don't just leave the youth department. Sometimes they stick around for a year. Sometimes they hang around for activities. Sometimes they come back when you've got something going on in the gym. Then they find another church. A Christian church. Or a church of Christ. Or some other type of church that plays some kind of rock concert before they have some sort of preaching. Then, they're partying on Friday night. Now listen, I don't say that happy. If you could see what was inside this shirt right now, and how I wish there were some boys sitting back there that could hear this. They didn't just leave the church. Those kids don't just leave the youth department. They leave God. You say, well, you don't know that. You know a lot when you check out somebody's social media. There ain't much God going on when you're at the bar on Friday night. I've seen marriages fall apart after years. What happened? Did they just leave that person? Oh, no. Many times it's because they leave God. And then we're left as youth pastors to put those pieces back together. Those teenagers. I don't know what God wants you to do with your life as far as a vocation, but here's what I know. I know He wants to be in it. Did you hear what I said? I don't know what He wants you to do to make money to support your family. But I know God wants to be in it. Listen to this. And if you can't do anything else, putting God in your life, then you better surrender to the ministry. If you can't work at McDonald's and have a good testimony and you get sidetracked, let me tell you something. You, you better learn how to live right working at McDonald's. Because you're going to you're gonna have to deal with that when, you, when you're doing whatever else you do. I don't know who God wants you to marry, but I know he wants to be a part of your marriage. He wants to be a part of the picking process. He's not willing that any should perish. That means when it's time to pick one, hey, Samson, don't go down there and get one. Get one right here. Who should I marry, Brother Davis? Somebody that's right with God in the, going in the same direction you are. I don't know who, I don't know where, I don't know when, but here's what I know. He's not willing that any should perish. That means don't go away from God to get them. That's for sure. I don't know where God wants you to go, but I do know He wants to be there when you go. He's not willing that any should perish. Quickly, let me show you three illustrations. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Three illustrations and I'll close. We have three stories here. Verse number 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth, on his, layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. shepherd had a hundred sheep. He lost one. You ever had a hundred or something? Legos? Lose one. Your dad finds it three months later in the floor with his foot. (laughs) Listen, here's my question. I got a hundred sheep. I lose one. I still got ninety-nine. Big deal. I got ninety-nine sheep still. You may feel that way. You may feel like my youth pastor, my, pa- my pastor, my parents. God has 99 others. He really doesn't have to care about one. Spends a lot of time with this one or that one. Hardly ever talks to me. Doesn't spend a lot of time with me. Doesn't really love me. Especially since sometimes I stay out of the fold. Especially since I left the 99. Especially since sometimes I do my own thing. Especially since I've been in the wilderness backslidden. He probably doesn't have a plan for me. He probably is focused on that 99. Now listen, that ain't what the Bible says. The Bible says he left the 99 there and he went and got the one. Now I don't think he was irresponsible with the 99 chasing the one. It's a sidebar. But he went after the one. And God has a will for your life, and here's what it is, that you not perish. He never wants you to leave Him. Him. Listen to this phrase, God's will. Sometimes we focus on the will so much we miss the God. He left the 99 and chased the one sheep. You may be running from the fold. You may be living in the wilderness of sin. Young man, young lady, listen to me. But the good shepherd's looking for you. Just you. Just you. He sent this message right here. There may just be, you may be the only one in the youth department. Maybe everybody else is on fire and everybody else loves it and everybody else is doing right. And you're the only one that brought something wrong or the only one they've had to correct things with. You're the only one. And hey, listen, God sent this message just for you. Next story, verse five. I'm sorry, verse, uh, uh, verse number eight. Either what woman Notice it's a woman with the money. (laughs) Since we're done throwing axes. (laughs) Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. And when she had found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Listen now. If I had ten of something, and I lost one. I still have nine. Especially money, the time that this lady spent tearing the house apart or cleaning the house, it depends on how you define it. Okay? Most of the money's in the couch cushion, so you sort of have to tear it apart to get to the money. But she cleaned her house. Couldn't she have just went and made that money back? Couldn't she have just got another coin? That's the way I think. I'm glad that, that isn't how God thinks. He says, Yeah, I got nine teenagers, I got ten teenagers, and nine of them are doing right, but you know what, man? I'm burdened about the one. I'm burdened for the one. I'm burdened for the one. You may be that way, and listen now. You may be in the house. I mean, you come to everything. You go to the Christian school or, or, or you're homeschooled and, and, and you go to the homeschool thing and, and you're there. You've grown up in church your whole life. Uh, but somewhere in the dust of the sin and the world and, and even the, the busyness of church, you've gotten lost in the shuffle and under some dirt. Maybe there are other coins that get used or called on Or talked about. And you just get looked over. Maybe you feel like your life isn't important. Like nobody cares. So you bury yourself in the house. Quiet. Covered up. Silent. Sad. But wait. There's a broom coming. The dust is stirring up. Somebody's looking for you. They lift up the. uh, all of a sudden uh, a little bit of daylight creeps in under the couch. Oh wait, there's a hand coming in. Because she was just looking for that one. And young person that's here and you're feeling that way, he's not willing that any should perish. Just you, just you are important to God. Last story. Brother Dallas preached it. Great. Message on it. The parable son. I won't read the whole thing. He, he, did, he did a great job. But you got a, a son here. Uh, the Bible says, verse 11, a certain man had two sons. So there's this man. He had two sons. You ever had two of something? That's a totally different story. Now hang on, I got a hundred of something, I lose one. Not a big deal. I let it go. I got ten of something. I lose one. Not a big deal. I got two of something. I lose one. Bigger deal. Guy that lost that had a hundred sheep, lost one. He went looking for his sheep. Lady that had ten coins, lost one. She went looking for a coin. Right? Guy with two sons. Loses a son. He leaves. He goes to the far country. He doesn't go look for him. You may be sitting here, and you grew up in the Father's house, got a little tired of the rules, and you're ready to go. You're that prodigal that you heard preached about. But I got news for you. The Father, the difference in the Father and the woman and the shepherd, they were working with different objects see that sheep was a dumb animal that does not know to come back that silver was an inanimate object with no life of its own everybody look up here and listen you are made just in the image of God and just as he has a will for you that you not leave him he gave you a will. That's why you've been able to do what you've been doing for three years or two years, or however long you've got that sin hit on your computer or under your bed or from your parents or from your youth pastor, and God hasn't killed you. He's long-suffering to usward," the verse said. "Don't take his mercy for a weakness. The prodigal son went to the far country and the father stayed home. Did the father love the son less than the shepherd loved the sheep or the woman loved the money? No. But that boy had a will. That boy had to decide on his own to live with the father. Nobody's going to make you. You have to decide to be close to the father. He's not willing that any should perish. God's will for your life is that you not perish, that you not fall out of church, that you not fall out of fellowship with Him. You can choose to leave the Father's house. You can choose the far country. uh, And when you've spent all and came to yourself, listen to me now, God still has a will for your life. I'm not... Encouraging a sinful life. Because if you read Second Peter, he does say judgment comes. But his will is that you never leave his fellowship. Now, that's the minority. Let me talk to a lot of you in here. You may be in here and you may be sold out. You've moved. You came every service. You pray and you're praying for God's will. I've talked to a lot of you. You came up to me, Brother Davis, I'm coming to college in the fall. Brother Davis, man, I want to serve God. What should I do? Will you pray with me? You know, I don't know how God can use me or what God's will is for my life. And, I, and I've and i talked to a lot of you this week, young people at the different activities and the fellowships. Listen to me now. And you may be hearing this. You may be saying, Brother Davis, I, I know you preached to, 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 to a group that needed some help. And, and, and I'm glad you did because, you know, but 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 what about me i mean how can i listen now he's not willing that any should perish you need to be in fellowship with god but also he wants to use you to reach the perishing Some of you are surrendered to preach, surrendered to the mission field, surrendered to go everywhere, and you sit on a pew right now with some teenagers that are hurting, that you ride the bus with to the youth conference, and you don't even talk to them, you don't try to help them, you don't, you could care less whether they make it in church or not, and you're saying you're gonna go build a church, you're gonna go to the mission field, you're gonna go do something to help somebody else, or you work a bus route and you bring a bunch of kids to church, but you go to, you go to Sunday school with some kids that are hurt, uh, that are hurting and need, need, they need you! He's not willing that any should perish. Say, Brother Davis, how can God use me? He'll use you to rescue the perishing. That's how He uses you. You say, but, but but what does that mean? Any way possible. Soul winning. Being a soul winner. Working in the bus ministry. Rescue the perishing being a blessing to those that you're in the youth group with. Hey, when they have a burden, you helping bear that burden, you praying together, uh, you, you helping them get through a sin or a struggle instead of judging them or instead of criticizing them or or instead of making it public. Hey, listen, that's what we need. Not willing that any should perish. Sometimes we, it's like we want people to mess up so we can kill them. If you read the context of Luke 15, it's not preached to sinners; it's preached to Pharisees. He says, "You should not. That God is not willing that any should perish." Listen now. He instructs them, and he says, "This you. God's will for your life is that you not leave the fellowship of Him." He wants to help use you to help bring others into that fellowship. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them from the snatch them in pity. It says from the grave. What's well, God's will for my life, Brother Davis? Where should I go to college? Who should I marry? Where should I live? I don't know all that stuff, but here's what I know. God wants you to fellowship with Him. And He wants to use you to reach others to fellowship with Him, however that is.